welcome to the Words and Pictures podcast. I'm DJ Bowman-Smith and this is Words and Pictures podcast number two. This week I'll be chatting a little bit about what I've been doing at my own desk before looking to see what's been happening beyond my desk. And after that we'll get into the interview with romance writer Katie Metner. At my desk this week I've been working on a new website for the other side of my writing persona that of children's author Tiger Molly. I have one book published under this name and I thought I really should get round to sorting out the website. I've had the domain name Tiger Molly for some time and now it's up I feel that somehow Tiger Molly has been born. It's just a page with a book and a bit about me and a contacts page but I've learned that much in this author life is ongoing and I can add to it later on. Making a start is always half the battle. What I've noticed beyond my desk this week? Well, here in the UK, there's been much celebration for the Queen's 70th Jubilee. And it's funny to see that Paddington Bear has been such a part of that world. When I was a child and I read those stories, it never occurred to me that all this time later, that those stories would become an icon. So, well done Paddington and the writer Michael Bond. Time to welcome Katie Metner to the Words and Pictures podcast. Hello, Katie. It's great to have you on the show. Oh, gosh, I have have lots of questions. I've been looking at your stuff and it looks very up together, Katie, aren't you? With all your your graphics and your your Twitter feed. And it's it's really, I think you're... um, You've obviously got the real hang of the branding thing, I think. And it looks it looks beautiful, really nice. Right, yeah. Yeah, re- really like your covers. Thank you. Yeah, it's been, been a long journey. But How many books have you out to the moment? I'm just releasing book 49 in July. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Well done, you. And can I ask you, are you a, um, a traditionally published author or are you an indie author? Uh, I'm indie author. I've been small press published and actually I'm releasing a book with Harlequin next year. So, Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So you're a real hybrid then. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot a lot of indie authors are becoming more hybrid now. You know, I think I think people are um you you people are tending to go to where the whatever makes a buck, really, isn't it? You know, <laughs> right. Well, and some of it too is is uh what's the word I'm looking for? It's is exposure. Exposure, you know, yes. the, yeah. You know, the more exposure you can get, the better. So if you can and what I'm seeing is a lot of people, a lot of authors that were traditionally published have gone to be so the indie more thing. the hybrid too, yeah. because they want to write specific stuff that, you know, their publisher doesn't want to publish. No, or whatever exactly. I mean, you can, can do what you want, can't you? And that's the good thing. Right. I yeah. I mean, yeah. now you can, you, yeah. you know, you, before you couldn't, but yeah. it, that's kind of become the norm now. Yeah. How long have you been writing? Uh, 10 years going on, going on 11 years. Yeah. About, about like the same as me. Oh. Yeah. 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 I see we write wildly different things. I'm, I'm sort of, um, dark fantasy, a bit like Game of Thrones thing, but I've noticed that where there's a lot of horses in both our books. So did you grow up with horses? No, I actually am terrified of horses. Are you really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Well, I grew up on a stud farm, so I, I'm, I'm used to horses. I know about horses, although I don't ride in my adult life. But I grew up riding, you know. So, yeah. so, do, but you must have a knowledge of horses in order to write about them to make it that whole cowboy thing fit. Well, actually, the cowboy books are less about horses and more about bison. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, in fact, yeah, they ride horses, but not like you know, like a traditional cowboy ranch because they're actually ranching in Wisconsin. They're 
Texas Cowboys in Wisconsin. So cool. They're um, wrangling Bryson because you don't really raise them. You just kind of wrangle them where you want yeah. them to go. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, you know, they like, I have horses in, but they're not really something where it's like a huge part of the book no. of any no. way. Okay. You know, they're used as a tool. Yeah. More than anything. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And t- tell me about the um, the artwork for your stuff. I, I mean, I'm imagining this has been a journey for you, so that you've you've got this really nice overall look about everything. Now, um, was it always like that? Did you always know how you wanted your your stuff to work, or has, it, has that been uh, has no, that yeah, evolved I over time? Definitely evolved. I was, you know, I knew nothing about the industry when I first started. I wrote a book the year I had my leg amputated. So I had all this downtime and I was like, what am I going to do? I, you know, I can't go outside. It's the middle of February in Wisconsin. <laughs> You're not going outside. So I wrote this book. And when I finished it, I was like, all right, I want my family to be able to read it. So I need to get paperbacks made. And this thing called Kindle, you know, a couple people had a Kindle back then. So I did a quick Google search and found this thing called KDP. And I was like, oh, okay, great. I can get my eBooks. I can get my paperback. Good, good to go. So I uploaded the document and they were like, you need a cover. So I was like, okay, I just grabbed a picture from the internet and threw it on the cover with some writing. And I didn't realize I published the book. I thought I just got my copies that I wanted for my family, but oh no, Brilliant. it's live on yeah, Amazon. That's lovely. You know? <laughs> yeah. So suddenly I'm like getting messages from people and I'm thinking, oh boy, what did I do? And sure enough, I had published the book. So that was, I just kind of was like a straight shot into publishing that I had no idea what I was doing. Sometimes that's um, the best way, isn't it? Jump and, in, as I often say, just jump in, yeah, jump in and have a go. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. just jump in. Just, yeah, have a go at it. Um, I did not have a good go at it in the beginning, but I slowly learned, uh, Back in 2011, when I published Sugar's Dance, which was my first book, it was kind of a wild time for indies. I mean, indies, you didn't have to do anything to sell a book. You just existed and you sold books. So there were so many of us in, you know, I used Twitter to my advantage to learn from other authors, um, less so with Facebook, but I kind of got connected with a couple of small presses. So I learned from them just by reading their books and I really had never intended to write another book, but I was like, okay, well, I guess if I publish this, I need to figure out how to market it. And like I said, back then you didn't buy ads. You didn't do any of that kind of stuff. It was just word of mouth, Twitter, you know, social media, whatever it was. And then I started getting messages from people saying, you know, we want more, we want more disabled romance uh, where the main character is disabled. And I didn't, it didn't really hit with me that there was so few books that were not only written as a main character that was disabled, but accurately, you know, not dramatically or. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas sometimes it can be a part of what's happened, you know, a part of that story, but it doesn't have to be the main thing. It's not what the story is about, if you know what I mean. Right. It's more about the fact, right. Representation. Right. Uh, Instead of like me before you where everything's dramatic and then, you know, he kills it. Oh, shouldn't say that in case you haven't read the book. (laughs) But (laughs) but don't get me started. So, yeah. So I was like, okay, if I'm writing more books, I have to know what I'm doing. I really didn't know what I was doing as far as covers. And honestly, again, back then, it just didn't matter. People bought the book if they liked it. It wasn't an issue. And then things started changing. And as things started to change about the time I published probably my fourth book, Granted Redemption, and I'd done the cover myself. And an author through one of the small pubs who was also a... um, 
Photoshop graphic designer, marketing person cool. emailed me and she was like, Hey, you know, do you want me to make you a cover? Because, you know, this is kind of grim. It's, 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 it was kind of pixelated. I, I just didn't know what I was doing. I was like, Hey, yeah, go for it. You know? Um, so that was my foray into having an actual professional make covers for me. And she is still making my covers for me because she. Oh, really? That's good. So that's been a really long, nice relationship you've got. Because she, she'll understand now what your, because um, I do a bit of cover design as well. I do my own cover because I'm sort of a writer and an artist. And, and I find if I, if I know the person well, you, you know their look and you know what they, you know, you, you know, you're, you're, you're sort of into the branding you're into the groove of that person and I think that's I think that's so much easier than finding exactly, a new customer. exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah I mean that's what I always yeah, say oh yeah. I hope she stop doing covers hang on to her yeah yeah because I can just send yeah. her the, the information yeah exactly I do trust me um I send her the the well sometimes we'll have to go together and find uh because I I do write disabled romance so oftentimes if you know, the character can't show a certain side or they can't be in a certain position um, because finding disabled stock photo is almost impossible. Yes. Now that's, that's interesting. You want to say that again so that the people doing the stock photos, can you hear that world? Yes. Finding disabled main character stock photo, especially for romance is nearly impossible. And, and it's getting a little bit better, but it's not, it's not advanced enough that you can use it for, uh, book covers because it just they're just not enough choices no this is the trouble and also i think even when you're just looking for um you know a, a, a figure i mean i'd probably manipulate some image that i'm using you know if i was doing my own covers um but but even just finding something that i'm going to manipulate such a lot there's not going to be luck. even that takes forever finding sifting sifting through the stuff yes exactly yeah exactly just finding stuff that works and it's and that fits the brand for the rest of the series because I'm a very big series writer. So for me, it all has to, you know, kind of gel together. Um, so a lot of what we've had to do is, okay, uh, he's in a, he's in a wheelchair. She's, she's not. So it's an interabled couple. You can finding interabled couples in stock photos is impossible. It does not exist. So generally speaking, you know, we either do them sitting on a bench, uh, they're, you know, from chest up doing because it's the only way to make it work. Um, one of my books uh, has a little person and the, the male character has a limb deficiency, limb length deficiency. And so there again, it was like they were sitting on a blanket, you know, and you were trying to change the height enough to make it work. Impossible to find interabled couples. So um, that's why with the cowboy series, we actually went with just the cowboy. Um, because the cowboys weren't the disabled character, it was the, the heroine. So it was easy to just say, okay, we're just going to have just the cowboys on the cover. But that might just bring in some some new readers, because I think I think a lot of people like to read about all sorts of stuff, as I do. I, we read very widely. And sometimes you might just pick that cowboy cover up and, 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 then, and then discover amongst that all the other stuff that you're writing about, on, on, as well as the romance. And that's great. That's inside it, exactly. And that is, and, and that is, yeah, that's part of it too, because it's very difficult to, people have a very big, there's, there's a lot of people that have hangups about reading about disabled characters for whatever reason. And so I don't know what they expect. Of course, then they read one and they're like, okay, that wasn't what I was expecting. It was great. You know, it's just, my books are very real, but I keep the disability accurate, but not the number one 
topic of everything, you know, the whole thing isn't about it. Yeah. And right. So what I mean by accurate is like, you know, if I've got a character in a wheelchair, well, every movement they make has to be something that would be feasible. You could do or not do in a wheelchair. You know what I'm saying? Um, It's the same with amputees. Everything has to be either accurate or it's not going to happen. I, I always address intimacy in my books because as a disabled, I'm disabled myself and my disabled readers expect me to address that. You know, you can't just be like, you know, wild rumpus in the bedroom when you are paralyzed from the waist down. And so I try to, and so I think some of that is kind of what almost scares people um, to confront that and to say that, well, we might be disabled, but we're still people. Um, yeah. And that's, that's kind of what I try to get through with, with my romance is that, Hey, we're, we're just people. Yes, exactly. You know, it's a yeah. people first yeah, idea yeah. that, you know, our disability isn't the number one thing about us. I always like to say my disabilities are, you know, the number 10, 11 and 12 things about me, because if you can get through the first 10 things about me, we're good to go. You don't need to worry about the rest. And obviously it just, you know, it's part of you and it's an amazing part of you and your writing, but it doesn't define you. You know, it's it's got, it's another thing. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Right. It just is part of my life. Yeah. Right. It's just like, you know, your eyes are blue. Well, I'm missing a leg. Okay. You know, it's just the same. You put your pants on one leg, so do I. It's just that I also put a leg on afterwards. You know, <laughs> so I try yeah, to get great. Yeah, and that's the sort of thing in the book, I suppose. You know, but yeah, right, right. And so I try to use humor, and I try to get people to understand. And that's why I use humor a lot on social media, um, because I'll have a lot of people that are nervous to try a book of mine, and I'll say, so I've written several series where the 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 first book doesn't feature the main character as disabled. The main character is a secondary character. Then they get their own book as the second book. So by the time they finish the first book, they're comfortable enough with that character already, the town or whatever it is that they can go into the next book, feeling confident that they're not going to be overwhelmed by what this character's disability mm. is or whatever mm. it may be. Um, so I found success with doing that um, for the really, mm. really reluctant readers when it comes to um, not wanting to read, uh, you know, disabled characters, but yeah, so that's how we address our covers. Uh, we always brand our series, of course. Um, I have a seven-part series and a six-part series. The rest of them are usually four-part series, but it, it can get difficult by the sixth book to say, okay, we, we need to make it look the same, but yet different enough that people realize it is a new book. Uh, my, Bell, my Bell's Past series is one of those um, where we use more of an illustrative cover mm. versus a actual real couple's. And that's a very successful series, yeah. but it's a Christmas series. So it works um, be- with that illustrated type situation. Yeah, because people do like a Christmas read. I-, I like a Christmas read. I don't read a lot of romance, but oddly at Christmas, that's what I do, which is a bizarre thing. I think, oh, I want a Christmassy Christmassy tale now, you know, and, it- and it's-, it's a funny thing, isn't it? I wouldn't-, I wouldn't do that at any other time of year, particularly, you know. But but at Christmas, I, I do do that. So we try to do that. And we try and and the other nice part about having someone do your covers, if if you aren't an artist yourself, um, I would always say don't don't make your own covers. And the reason is is because what we think is really important in our books, readers don't. 
No, exactly. Yes. I, in fact, I've, I've done a podcast on exactly that about it's about fitting in with the genre. It's about right knowing your genre, telling them enough, but leaving them enough in, in their imagination, like you wouldn't over over describe something in a paragraph because actually it's boring. Right. I mean, I've seen some covers where there's 30 things on the cover and you don't know where to look, you know, and you're like, well, I and that that tends to turn me off because then I'm like, well, too much going on. What's going to be inside the book? if that's the cover, you know? Yes, exactly. I think the typeface is really important. I think if you get the typeface right for your genre, I think that that makes it fit in with that crowd. And, and it, it has, a, it's, it's a really, it's a really subtle thing, but it has to work and you have to have somebody who understands that. Yeah. It has to work. Right. And that's why it's great to have someone, you know, like I'm lucky that my cover designer is also, mm. you know, has a marketing degree. Um, because the things she does that I don't even know exist in the world, small little things that she does with the covers or with the back blurbs mm. or with the branding itself, um, or like, you know, I think, oh, I made this bookmark and it looks great. And I'll send it to her and I'll be like, what do you think? And then she'll tweak it because we use yeah. Canva. Yeah, we use Canva Pro yeah. sometimes for that kind of stuff. Um, and so as a team member, she'll go in and like, I'll go back and look at it. It's completely different, but it's awesome, you know? Um, and so, I always say, pay your people. Um, and if you pay your people, they'll always be there for you. And so, you know, foster those relationships that work really well with, that you work really well with and who understand your vision of what you're looking for. And not just understand your vision, but kind of guide your vision. Because for me, it was like, well, I know exactly what I'm writing. I know exactly who mm. I'm marketing to. But I learned pretty quickly that I didn't need to market the books to the people that wanted to read Disabled Romance, they were already going to read it. Mm. They were there anyway. They were going to, they're there anyway. It's, it's the wider, it's that, it's getting that wider thing. And actually, I think, I think what you're doing is a really interesting thing because I, I don't know, it's almost like a, I can't, I don't know, how can I put this in succinctly? <laughs> you're, you're getting people that know nothing about your world, you know, or, or about disabled people to, to read about that and become comfortable with it. Exactly, that's, yes. That's a really important thing because people, I'm, I'm also writing a different name. That's a whole other thing. Um, but in my children's writing, one of my characters is completely deaf because my father was. And uh, and it's just that whole understanding how people speak at you to lip read and then turn away because they've forgotten and then you can't see what they're saying. <laughs> you know, I used to drive my dad mad because he used to say people think, I'm stupid, but I'm, I'm not stupid. I'm just deaf, right, you know. Right. And and you you sort of got that. He was he could he couldn't hear out of one ear, and as he got older, he lost all of it. Um, and and it's very interesting to write that because I I know about that because I've lived with that. And 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 it, and it, to put it in a children's work is interesting because it it just helps small young people understand. You know, it's not that's not what the story is about. It's just a character in it. But but I I think it's important to give it that. To do that because it just, I don't know, broadens everybody's mind. And I think that's always a good thing. Right. That's that's kind of the goal is right. Because if they've read, I actually have a book uh, where the character is deaf and she lip reads. And when you write a book like that, first of all, part of it is, like you said, reminding that that character can't be looking away if they're talking, you know, that kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, that's it. And you have to keep remind. Yeah, yeah. You have to move yourself through the motions yourself. Yeah. But also my hope is they've read I me. Mean, if they've read the book, they remember when they are talking to someone, oh, 
I can't turn away because they're reading my lip. My father-in-law actually um, went deaf after getting uh, German measles when he was 12. Um, And he taught his, he went through college and taught his entire first year as a third grade teacher before anyone realized he was deaf. Just by, just by reading lips. Because that was back before there was hearing aids, you know, he's got brilliant hearing aids now that he can hear everything. He puts his phone through his, his Bluetooth hearing aids now so he can talk on the phone. It's like what technology can do. Is that another thing that you need to do is you need to keep up with the technology. I mean, you know, as a, as a prosthetic wearer, do you have to think, you know, if you were setting something back in time, I don't know whether you have different time scales or whatever. No, I no, they're pretty much all contemporary. Yeah, I was going to say. So otherwise you'd have to think, what did they have then? That's a whole nother. But it is also about staying on top of the trends and knowing mm-hmm. your knowing your technology. For instance, I'm writing a book for Harlequin, where the amputee is, one of the characters is an amputee. And, you know, a lot of people just think, oh, we'll just run around on a, on a running, you know, blade and, and everything is good. Everything is sorted. Um, But that's not actually how it works. You can't actually wear a blade uh, every day. It doesn't work that way. Um, You're, you have different prosthetics for different things you want to do. And that's very, and there's some amputees that don't wear a, a prosthesis. So Rhoda, uh, amputee novel where the main character is an arm amputee and she doesn't wear a prosthesis because she never got one that fit well or worked well. Um, and so that is something probably more trouble than it was worth. Exactly. Yeah. And so that is something you have to address too, because you can't just assume that. And that kind of always bothered me when I first became an amputee that, you know, everything you see about amputees is this, Oh, let's go run a marathon. Let's go climb Mount Fujimagaro. Let's go do this or yeah. that. That is not everyone's goal. No, and, and, and also some people weren't Marines when it happened to them. You know what I mean? Exactly. Some of us just, some of us just exactly, exactly. Those <laughs> of us like, exactly. I always said, listen, I'm a mom. I need to be able to take care of my kids. I need to take care of my house. I need to do the grocery shopping. Um, and so I tried as an amputee to kind of fight for that group of amputees because no one was it was just kind of the forgotten group because you know of all the and, and it's great if if you're the you know you're an amputee and you want to run marathons and you want to go out and do that so absolutely fantastic some of us just physically can't no you know for other for other reasons beyond just because now we're an amputee be it whatever it is other trauma to the body you know trauma that was caused by the injury so i try to and that's where I always say, you know, kind of a fair and accurate representation of amputees or uh, disabled characters in general. And I tried to make it widespread because if I'm going to have an amputee in more than one novel, they can't all be the same. They all have to live different lives. And so, you know, I. As, as, as disabled people do live different lives. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. We're not all the same. We don't all do, you know, some of us work. You're not all just running. You're not all just in the Olympics, the Paralympics. Then. <laughs> yeah. you're that's that's always my thing is like, why is every, why can't we just see a, an, uh, you know, I always call it inspirational porn. Why don't we ever see just a, a, a disabled person or an amputee doing yeah, their life, yeah, their normal yeah. everyday, you know, getting something as simple as how, <laughs> And I, I need to go do this. A friend of mine made me buy a selfie stick so that I could go. I haven't done it yet because I hate 
feel like I look terrible in videos, so I don't do them. But oh, me yeah, too. Yes, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> that's what I'm doing. Sound only because I just thought, and I'm always like this. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like just, this, I just, I'm pulling faces. If I look at myself, I think, oh, Lord. right. You know, when I don't know when I got so old, <laughs> but there you are. Yeah. So sound only is just so nice. You can edit. It's easy to edit. I can ambulate with my prosthesis in short periods of time at home and, you know, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. If it's anywhere for more than, you know, half an hour, uh, I'm in my chair, but I will always get irritated if I park in a disabled parking spot and somebody is in the slanted lines because they don't realize exactly. the slanted lines the so I can get my wheelchair out. Um, right. And so while in the U S even if you have a disabled placard and you park in those slanted lines, yeah, same here. You can still same get a two hundred fifty dollar ticket. Yeah, yeah, and and people don't realize that even even disabled people don't realize that, and it's in the paperwork they sent you. But who reads that, you know? Um, and so it's stuff like that where I try to say, like, you can't yeah. park there, <laughs> you know. Um, and so she wants me to try to, you know, do some short little videos like that, just because sometimes you can say it until you're blue in the face, but when people see it. Then they're like, oh, now I get it. That's why uh, I live in a relatively small town and our police department is really good about going through the parking lots of the different stores. And, mm. and they do ticket people who shouldn't mm. be parked the way they're parked mm. as a deterrent, because if you don't, I don't know that they necessarily get a ticket, but they get a warning. At least um, I always say you, you get that one shot. I didn't know. Well, I mean, you could have known because it's in the paperwork, but I didn't know. Okay, now you know. Don't do it again. And I and I feel that way a lot. And I don't I don't confront people anymore. I used to back in the days when people didn't get so up in arms about stuff. Um, I used to say, "Hey, did you know that you really shouldn't be parking there because X Y Z reason?" Um, and back then, people would be like, "Oh, I didn't know that," and they get in their car and move. Nowadays, mm, no, you don't do that. I think everybody's got a lot more aggy, haven't they, about things? Everybody's more aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. I just, exactly. I'm not into that aggressiveness, but a lot of times I use my, and I use my, and I'll hear from readers who say, geez, I read that in your book and I did not know. I had no idea that that was the case, but I'm going to remember that for next time. Um, And a lot of it is the people first language aspect of, you know, we don't use handicapped. We don't use differently abled. We don't use, you know, it's, it's a people first language. Yes. Which I saw on your website. And I thought that was very interesting that little list that I thought and I thought that's that's helpful that's helpful for other other writers like myself that might want to put some you know, character in you can go there you know uh, there'll be links in the podcast show notes for your website and things so you can go and have a look people and um and and that's really useful because when it's not in your life you want to get it right if you're writing and and it, it just helps with the right. understanding so something like your thing on your website talking about the right terminology and how to address people and 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 be polite and knowledgeable and and enabling with everybody then and inclusive that's that's the place to go so yeah that's absolutely marvelous yeah so yeah that's been a that's been a huge thing i've had a lot of people Mm. comment by reading that in the end and i have a, a a reader who drives bus school bus and she said that how helpful that was to her because she did not realize that there was certain terms she should be using yeah. when she's addressing yeah. the children even. Um, and so sh- I actually have placards, uh, like rack cards that I send with books, you know, when people win books or whatever. 
Um, and she has actually made copies of it to give it to other people so that they, you know, all have access to that information. So brilliant. But perhaps, Katie, this is your nonfiction work. That's perhaps you, this is your nonfiction book. <laughs> yeah, my only nonfiction book. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, no, but it, it, it's it would be really useful for writers. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. writers and teachers. Right. And my husband actually like who teaches fifth grade. I'm living with me as I was disabled, and I you know, start talking about people first language. And, and this year he has a little person in class who they were not getting her any adaptive equipment. She couldn't reach her desk. She couldn't reach her locker. She couldn't reach the water fountain. Um, and it was my husband down in the principal's office going, we need hooks. We need, you know, steps we need. And he's like, he's like, Five years ago, I never would have done that. I would have just left it up to the special education department to do because it's really their job, but they weren't doing yeah, it. And he was like, exactly. listen, she's going to be yeah. in my class. She's going to have the same options that all the other kids yeah, have yeah. for seating and, you know, unless she needs something specific. So I was pretty proud of him that he just like took that, that initiative to go down and say, I'm not going to wait for them to do it. We are going to do it ourselves within the classroom. So yeah, so the, it's it's kind of becoming yeah. more of a in, inclusive. And I think in schools because I'm I'm an old teacher as well, <laughs> and uh, I I um what uh, the schools I worked in were very inclusive. We had everybody within the classroom of all all learning, you know, abilities and and disabilities and abilities, and and it was really I I found that children were very accepting more so than adults right. they just they yeah. just got on with it they just oh, got on with it and they helped you know right. they they made um whoever i had in my class they they enabled them even more than i did because they they sort of just saw it you know and i taught yeah. really and little they, children and, and um, uh you know i don't know what you call it in america but um i taught like reception year one year two so that's um infants basically and and it was amazing to see how they were just very kind to each other and understood that doors needed to be open or you know if somebody was on a walker or something like this you know and and it and they'd let them pass first right. or, yeah and it was yeah hmm. and that's that's part of it too yes exactly. they're, they're classmates from from yeah. day one and so they learn to you know and actually i have a book uh, autumn reflections where they're her she's a single mom and her son it, it part of that scene is he's has to start in a new school and he's really nervous about starting a new school and how the kids are gonna but it's just seamless you know the kids just they just welcome it's he's just another kid to them they don't they don't see his service dog or his walker or his wheelchair it's it's just Grayson you know and so and and that's mm. very typical in in mm. schools yeah exactly anything else you would like to add Katie you've been great to talk to <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that, you know, as a writer, it's just like you said, it's important to brand yourself so that readers know what they're going to get. And it is important if you're going to write in other genres to have that pen name mm-hmm. that's separate so that people don't get confused. Yes, it's it's confusing for us. I've got I've got two names. I've got my my own married name. I've got the name I write under as a Thing. And then yeah, it's hard for us. Author and, and it is a bit of a, sometimes I think, yeah. if somebody says, can you, people say sign something, I think, who am I? Exactly. Yes, exactly. It is important to brand yourself that way so that readers know who what to expect. And that's what I always say. I want my readers to know what to expect. And so part of that is is consistency, like you said, with your covers, consistency with your social media, consistency with any swag, anything you give away or include with your books. I always do swag is usually always uh, 
I don't do book covers. And the reason I don't do book covers on my swag is because book covers change and then they change and then everything's outdated. So I tend to do, if my stickers are generally speaking, my Mm. logo um, or whatever logo, I always have my cover designer design a logo for each book series because I can yeah, Mm. right. Because it's on the cover. That's nice. That's a good idea. I like that. But also I can pull that logo and use it for swag stickers, you know, anything I need. And then it keeps it consistent. And when people see that bison, they know, oh, mm. it's the Cowboys of Bison Ridge, you know? Yeah. So that is, and it, it takes yeah, a little bit clever. extra time, but it's always worth it in the end because it's so simple when you want to order something and you literally just take your logo and you put it up there and boom, you know, you've got what you need. And so that's something that I always suggest people and yeah. have a website, a website that is easy to navigate, has all your books, um, has easy place for people to contact you if you know, they, that's what they're looking for. Offer people, if you yeah. know, they're going to sign up for your newsletter, offer them a short story, offer them a, f- I offer yeah. full length, my first book. Yeah. Um, they, they get my first book. If they sign up for my newsletter, include readers, include readers with disabilities. Uh, like I said, my website is um, but I do try to do as much as I can to make sure that people who use screen readers can access all the information. I use a lot of alt text. That's something that people should remember when they're doing newsletters is fill out your alternate text when you put up pictures in your newsletter, because otherwise anybody using a screen reader doesn't know what that, alt, you know, what the image is. And if the image is not important, then it doesn't matter. But if it is, then now they've lost out on whatever you were trying yeah, to Yeah. Well, I think it's always important to do that. I mean, you even do that on, on um, Instagram, don't you? Put the, put the alt text in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Social media, but but there's a lot of people no. that just don't even realize it exists. They don't realize yeah. that alt text is even a thing. And so, and I, I try to do as good as, you know, I try to, I'm not perfect. Trust me. There's often times that I forget until two hours later and they're like, oh, I didn't mm. do the alt text. I got to go back and do it. But, you know, there's a lot of people that already are excluded from so mm-hmm. much because they're using screen readers or whatever it may be. So let's try to, you know, do as, our part as much as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, but and then also, you know, Absolutely. try to really work one specific social media so that you can build up readers who will talk about your books and, but don't spread yeah. your attention so thin that you can't really. Yeah. I think you've got to realize you can't do everything. You can't be on all these platforms. You can't. No, it's just almost impossible. Anyway, Katie, tell, tell everybody where they can find you, your work, your website, you would just search at Wisconsin writer uh, or Katie Metner author. I'm on Twitter at Katie Metner. Like I said, I try to keep everything pretty simple. Those links there, you can sign up for my newsletter. You can find that my contact form there. Um, I'm on Amazon. A large portion of my books are still in Kindle Unlimited, but I do have some that are wide on all platforms. I'm, I'm pretty much everywhere. You can you type in Katie Metner and all my stuff's going to come right up. I'll put your links in the show notes and um, and then people can find you if they want to find you. Especially for writers like me, you can find those brilliant notes. Yep. And I'm always happy to answer questions. If you want to email me a question, how should I word this? What would be the right way? I, I do that all the time. Great speaking to you. Thanks for getting this done today. It was really yep. nice to do that. You're super easy to talk to. It's been brilliant. No problem. I'm glad you offered. Really great to talk to Katie Metner and hear all her advice. Make sure you pop over to that website. It's got loads of great stuff on it. Next week, my guest is Paul Cood, who writes fantasy full of dragons for young readers. 
and I think you'll be amazed where he gets his ideas from. This has been the Words and Pictures podcast, and I'm DJ Bowman-Smith. Until next time, bye-bye.